The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland, and Chris Beasley as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And of course, it is a return to Goodison Park for fans tomorrow afternoon, the first game of the season, the first game of the Rafa Benitez era is upon us, Southampton making the trip north for a important game in many respects and for a variety of reasons for the Blues and Benitez. Um, we've not long come off uh, Rafa's press conference, plenty of interesting things, nothing more so than the team news preno, and we'll just get straight into it. For want of a better phrase, there appears to have been a COVID outbreak and Rafa confirming five players will not be available tomorrow, which is not exactly what he or us wanted to hear. Now, the, the isolation five, as they've, uh, they've already been christened. Um, yeah, he was reasonably coy up to a point. I mean, happy to give up that James Rodriguez is one of those players, which would possibly explain why he's been training, you know, so on his own, uh, you know, not, not close to the other players. Uh, we got the impression that Gomez will probably be one of the others. Moyes Keane, you know, guessing. Uh, what did he say? You didn't need. You don't need to be too clever to work it out. But then gave us no clues whatsoever. But you know, I think somebody asked the question and asked about Keane and Gomez, and uh, he did concede that you know, sort of two of the three players. I think Gabamin was mentioned yes. as well. So yeah. yeah, two of those three said we're amongst that group. So you can imagine Moyes Keane and probably Andre Gomez will be the others. We'll soon. We'll find out tomorrow. Um, not ideal. But, but equally, I'm not quite so sure how many of those players would have been involved anyway. Uh, Rafa Benitez, as we know, is a very ruthless manager. Um, and he's had his conversation with James, as he says, and told him his ideas. And if we're being overly cynical, is this a way of, you know, sort of maybe getting this message across, you know, sort of making him train in isolation? I don't know. I mean, let's, let's not be too cynical on the eve of a new season. Uh, it's not great to have uh, five players, you know, basically who, presumably had the NHS app ping and have to, uh, you know, sort of train away from the others. But there are still options available to the manager and there's still a team he can put out which should be more than capable of getting the new season off to a flying start. So, no, it's a little bit of minor turbulence that you could probably have done without on the eve of the season, but nothing that should be too damaging. I think the big news is that James Rodriguez you know, won't be involved and that disappoints an awful lot of Evertonians. I think some would have at the very least like to have seen him on the subs bench just as an option to come on and allow Evertonians the actual possibility of seeing him in the flesh. I know a few did at Old Trafford last week, but, you know, actually at Goodison Park, you know, in a full Goodison Park. So, yeah, not ideal, but equally not, you know, absolutely, you know, so dreadfully damaging either. And of course, uh, there's no home game after Southampton before the window shuts. So, James Rodriguez may, in fact, go his entire Everton career without having played in front of... Home supporters, um, Gav, of the names that we know or the names that certainly were mentioned by Rafa, and it's difficult COVID because yeah. I think as football fans, we just treat COVID as almost in the injury bracket now, don't we? But of course, it is private, ultimately private medical information. Um, and if, if the club choose to share it on the players' 
behalf or not. Um, you know, we can only go on what's been said. So James were told he's isolating. Um, and the Rafa said two of three, as, as, as Preno mentioned, two of yeah. Gabamin, Gomez or Keane. So, you know, take your pick if yeah. you like. Any of those players, are you concerned, won't be available? Just to clarify, it was Moise Keane or Smithville. Um, yeah, sorry, Moise Keane. G- yeah, yeah. yeah Gabamin, I think he's vital uh, for us, to be honest with you. And it's vital that he gets on the pitch as soon as possible for us. Um, because I think hopefully it give us better shape in front of the back four, which I think we were struggling last week. I think at Old Trafford and that friendly. Um, to Corey and Alan, I both thought they're not great games. And I think Gabamon, if fit, uh, can do a real job for us. Uh, it was it was noticeable, wasn't it? I think it was interesting. Some comments from Decora yesterday was it yesterday saying about maybe playing a different role under Benitez than what he did last season, getting further up the pitch. Just wondering, therefore, in Benitez's plans is to play Gabamon there and then like so. Decore can have a bit more freedom than what he had last year. Just on that, I mean, we did we did see briefly in pre-season something that was quite interesting. I think in the second half of the of the game against Pumas, he played a three. He played Alan Decore and Gabamin, and, and Decore and yeah. Gabamin were sort of urged to be a bit more forward thinking. It looked it looked pretty good to me. I appreciate it was pre-season for 45 minutes, but I don't know whether that's in his thinking long term or could be. I don't think I'm not sure whether how many times in his career he's played three in the middle. Uh, to be honest with you, um, but yeah, it, c- it could work to a degree. Uh, I'd prefer Gabamon and Takore and Three than than a striker, but it could work. Um, th- you know, I think so. One of the reasons for that, Phil, I think, is, is our lack of forward options as well. Might come yes. into that yeah. as well at the moment. Um, and I think you're going to see this, aren't you? Where team selection is probably going to be quite sticky for a lot of managers. Say, you know, certainly last-minute withdrawals due to isolating. And I'm just wondering when you see a lot more chopping and changing what you'd normally say. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Gabam, answer to your question, I think he, he's vital. I just want, it, want him on the pitch and a run of games, you know, which is not hard after two years yeah. at the club. So, Keane, yeah, Moise Keane, sorry that is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Got his own issues at the moment and, and uh, Gomez, as well, um, it doesn't see as a Benitez player, but Gabam definitely. Yeah, yeah, Gabam is a funny one, isn't he? In that respect, because we were asked this uh, this week, and I think you will see it probably tonight or tomorrow morning. So our, our preseason predictions, and it was who do you think will be the Everton breakout player of the season? And I picked Gabam because we've just not seen him play. So yeah. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, Absolutely, Chris. Chris, um, unsurprisingly, of course, he, he was going to be asked. Rafa asked in his press conference about James Rodriguez and his yeah. future. Asked directly whether he was in the plans. Were you surprised with the, with the answer Rafa gave? He effectively, you know, <laughs> rather thinly veiled message that, yes, I've had a conversation with him and told him he does not feature. Um, were you surprised that he was so kind of um, upfront about it? Um, no, not really. Um, if I was... Um... I thought it was rather telling um, one of the follow-up questions he, he was given when he was asked, um, obviously, that the fact that we've just mentioned that James won't get that opportunity this weekend to finally play in front of fans at, at Goodison Park and whether um, popularity came into to his thoughts at any point with players when, when picking his team. And Benitez actually made the point about how um, he would never pick a team based on the number of um, followers any particular player had on social media. And uh, 
we all know that um, James is a phenomenon in, in, in that respect, isn't he? Because he's famous. I don't know what the actual figure is off the top of my head. I think it's something comparable to the, the population of England or something like that. So 50 million, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've given him a few more there. But yeah, it's a, a huge social media following around the world. And we, we saw it obviously from Everton's trip to to Florida there with the, the, um, the Colombian expats and just what a big deal he was there. Yeah, so Rafa kind of alluded to that, like I say, very thinly veiled um, comment in regards to, you know, he, he's not going to be, it's not a popularity contest. He wants players to fulfil certain roles for him. And um, yeah, I suppose that would be the um, the criticism you could say about the, the, the last manager in that, uh, you know, obviously um, Ancelotti is a player who signed Hammers on three separate occasions, knew how to get the best out of Hammers, but was perhaps... Um, guilty of um, overindulging him there. You know, the bad taste that was left in the mouth of that early return to South America when Everton were still chasing a European spot and then uh, ultimately didn't get picked by uh, Colombia anyway because he was deemed not fit for, for, for Copa America. So, yeah, I think uh, Rafa left it in no uncertain terms. Um, what had been um, discussed between uh, him and Hammers and it doesn't look too rosy at all for the Colombian. Mm. Preno, last couple of weeks on, on the on the Royal Blue Pod, we've talked about potential lineups for Southampton, and of course, Hammers was always factored into that conversation. Would he start? Would he not start? He's not going to play now. Um, so, what does you know? Certainly, the front three, the front four, look like for you tomorrow? Um, it, it all depends on the formation that you see he's going to use in a game like this. I mean, Richarlison, I think it's quite a. Looking at it now, it looks like that whole situation is being handled very well. Um, you know, people were very, very upset at the possibility that Everton were going to let him go to the Olympic Games and therefore miss the start of the season. And clearly, that was never a case. You know, clearly they said, "All right, fine. You know, still so go ahead to the Olympics. You know, we'll let you go with our blessing, provided that when you do return, you know, so you pitch straight back in again, and we'll give you a break somewhere down the line." Well, in best case scenario, he's come back with a gold medal, which clearly he's very, very proud of. I mean, that welcome last week uh, was like really well managed as well. Uh, obviously, a nice bit of PR, but you know, again, it was uh, it was good to see. And now he's available with a little bit of a point to prove, maybe, um, and a bit of a spring in his step. So you know, it's where a Charleston fits into the whole thing. If you're going four four two, you know, sort of Carlett Luna and Richarlison, you know, as a front two with you know Townsend and Gray, maybe. Other side of your middle, you know, two looks look, looks good, looks attacking, and uh, a lot of the preseason games have featured a number of players getting into the box on a number of occasions. It has looked very forward thinking, um, so you know that that would be where I would go. But you know, obviously, there's a possibility that you know it could go four three three, like you say. Uh, that doesn't include Gabbana, I suppose. If you think you know, Alan and Dakure were the the axis for most of last season. Would that be the same again? I don't know. That's if Gabamin isn't one of this uh, isolation five. We're not sure. Uh, but bottom line is, I think it could be quite an attack-minded team. You know, if Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison both start, which I believe they will, obviously Damara Gray and uh, Andros Townsend are also going to start. He's brought them in this summer to use them. That's four very attack-minded players, uh, as well as your fullbacks who like to bomb on as well. So, you know, it could be quite a, a forward-looking team. And this is a Southampton team that, uh, Rafa made a point of mentioning in his uh, press conference earlier that they can have some very, very big, you know, so results, but equally they can also have some very big defeats, thinking about those Leicester games, maybe. So, uh, you know, if Rafa's going to get off to a flying start, nothing better than a 9 0 home win on the opening. Just to convince the doubters. But no, I mean, um, it sounds like he is going to be 
relatively bold, you know, so as bold as rapper ever is, you know, let, let's put it that way. Gav, um, I'll ask you about, about Richardson in a minute, but a quick, quickly from your rundown of stats, Southampton's away form, certainly towards the end of last season, was pretty bad, wasn't it? Dreadful, yeah. It was it 11, last 11 games, 10 defeats. I was just thinking there, Piano, we've seen us score six, seven, and eight against Southampton, haven't we? So, yeah. uh, nine's the, the logical extension. Yeah, uh, dreadful. Um, then the last season, had to, like us, do a second half. They got, I think they were, they were one of the clubs who were top before Christmas, weren't they, like us? Um, poor on the road, under a little bit of pressure. Obviously, sold Ings. It's a decent, uh, decent opening game for us. Uh, I think, and I think we said before we came on air, our home record against Southampton was great, isn't it? I think no, uh, no defeat since, uh, is it 97? So we're, uh, you know, in terms of all that history and, you know, where Southampton are at the moment, you couldn't have asked for a, you know, a more sort of welcoming game to welcome the fans back. So, yeah, I think it's just what I start, you just get games like this, don't you? Teams that you always, you, don't, you never seem to struggle against the home. Having mm-hmm. against that, we very rarely win down there. I think I think yeah. the 44 Premier League games has only been five away wins. So, yeah, uh, I'll go with that, uh, yeah. So, decent, you know, in that, in those terms, a decent uh, opening fixture. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Of course, Gavin, I'll stay with you for this one. Richarlison has scored four or five league goals for us against Southampton. Yeah. How do we manage Richarlison? Because he has played non-stop since last September. Yeah. He wanted to go to the Olympics. He obviously played at the Copper. It was interesting, Raffarin's press conference saying, oh, we looked at the stats. And I was thinking, he may well have looked at the stats, but the biggest tangible or whatever you want to call it was whether he would be happy or not or whether he'd have a massive cob on if you didn't let him go and I think that ultimately was the biggest decision you know the biggest factor yeah. in the decision wasn't it but he's back they've yeah. granted him his wish he's got the gold medal but how do we keep him fit because he might be happy but he's played a lot of football traditionally what happens when this this type of players come back and they, and they immediately they look great they don't you know at the start of the season it's later on in the season that it catches up with them, you know, so we have to be very careful. Uh, you know, they normally start off like a bomb. Uh, but I think, so we'll have to be very careful, I think, over the opening sort of month or so. Uh, he just needs recovery time, doesn't he? Just flying home from Tokyo is not exactly, you know, a two-hour flight, so it's all have to take into account at the moment. At the same time, we are short of numbers, as we said, talking about our formation and stuff, so I think it's a balancing act. The, the, the thing is, compared to years ago, I think back to the Mexico World Cup in 1970 when we had a load of players over there and we started off great the following season and then ran out of steam. Sports science is so much more advanced now, isn't it? And so I think there'll be a, there'll be no problems in terms of managing them. It, it is, you know, about, about to deal with them you know, physically, but I think it, this is the mental strain, I think, Phil, to be honest with you. It's not just the physical strain, it's, it's a lot. You know, it's a lot of uh, 
you know, it's stress that he's, he's been under, isn't it? You know, in terms of major tournament football over a number of years. So, yeah, be careful with them. But I think because, you know, we've got the, the ability behind the scenes, haven't we, to, to do it correctly. And Chris, do you think, you know, Rafa again mentioning hoping to strengthen between now and the close of the window, I suppose maybe in Rafa's mind, he gets Asker Charleston to get through the first three games and then maybe the cavalry, so to speak, may may arrive. We know the club like Dwight McNeil, you know, want, want a sort of bit more in midfield to help with, mm-hmm. with the front line. And, and, you know, I mean, in an ideal world, I think he, he also wants a striker to back up and we need a right back, of course. So do you think maybe that's part of Rafa's thinking? Get Richarlison through the first three, and maybe you can just sort of ease the burden after the window shuts. Maybe, yeah, it could be a good way of of, of working it because, like we said, he's 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 played uh, almost nonstop. Two very different scenarios with the two main front men in that Carved Lewin. Um, obviously, went to the Euros with England, but then hardly got a kick. So um, obviously, he missed um, the Man United game as well with a, a toe injury. So. He's almost coming in undercooked, you fear. Whereas Richarlison, as I think we were topping it up, a piece I'd done during the week, played the equivalent of over 13 full matches this summer for, for Brazil because before even Copa America started, I think there was a couple of uh, World Cup qualifiers in there as well. Obviously went the distance in Copa America, uh, lost to Argentina. So that alludes to what Gav says there, the, you know, the, the mental strain on it, you know, uh, lo- losing to their arch rivals on home turf there in the Maracanã. But then going out to the Olympics and, and, and getting the gold medal there. So, you know, he, he really has been through it. So, like I said, he comes into it um, actually very sharp. But, yeah, it's how does he go long-term? So, yeah, it might be a, a good strategy. Let's get him through um, the games between now and the, the end of August, those um, Premier League fixtures and possibly, you know, the Carabao Cup tie at Huddersfield Town and then, if Everton do do late business in the window, as, as Rafa has alluded to, um, I think obviously that if they are going to do business, it's probably going to be late business because we, we know with the FFP restrictions and to get players out before they, they, they come in. And yeah, whether that's McNeil or anybody else, these these um, new options could, could become available in September. Then you can maybe pick and choose Richarlison a bit more and give him that breather that he, he obviously needs at some point. Mm. He scored the last time he went to Huddersfield, but I suspect he won't be. Uh, he won't have an eye on that trip if he can help it. <laughs> Preno, j- just sticking with strikers, Moyes Keane. Look, his availability is up in the air. He didn't. He wasn't involved against Manchester United, of course, last weekend. So we will see tomorrow. Um, <laughs> he wants to go. He wants to go to PSG, but <laughs> PSG went and signed Lionel Messi uh, this week. Um, <laughs> What what does the future hold? If you like, what do you see happening now between now and the end of the window to Moise Keane? Are you are you braced for him to still be an Everton player? Come That's a very, it's a very very delicate situation that the manager has to uh, manage on this one. Um, am I right to say he did something a little bit petulant last week where he deleted all the uh, the Everton images on his Instagram account? Somebody told me that. Yeah, he did. He deleted quite a few, and then there was a cryptic message saying "back soon," and and some people thought it was to do with "I'll be back at PSG soon," but then he was right. absent for the United game, so very difficult to decipher because of yeah. the context, of course. But na- naturally, he did nothing to. To quell and, and quash. Well, no, I mean he's he's a young man and he does have a little bit of previous for you know sort of reacting like petulantly on occasions. Uh, clearly, he does want to you know be elsewhere and you know PSG is preferred destination. But as you've just said, that looks increasingly unlikely now. 
So, you know, is it a question of returning to Italy? Maybe uh, it all depends on the financial position of Italian clubs, which we know isn't great anyway. Uh, can they afford to pay the kind of money that Ericsson wants? Um, I suspect not. So it would be absolute madness, I think, to allow him to go on loan. Uh, you know, what would we get him from that? Just, you know, maybe freeing a little bit more wage bill to bring in somebody else. That would be a worst case scenario. So it might well be the case where, yeah, you know, you might have to knuckle down and uh, be very, very carefully managed to be part of the squad again. But he's not going to be a starter, you know, because Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, you know, will, unless he plays in the very, very strange formation. So it's going to be a very, very tough one uh, for him to, to, to manage. My personal belief is that, yeah, he probably will end up moving before the transfer window. Uh, quite so, whether that, in, in what circumstances that happens, whether it is a loan, which, which I'm, I'm quite loath to, you know, sort of look look to, or whether it's a permanent deal, I don't know. Uh, but when a player doesn't want to be at a football club, I just don't see the point of keeping hold of them. You know, they, they become quite toxic around the place. They can upset other players around them. Um, it's just, if a player doesn't want to be there, move him on. I mean, it's... It, it sounds like a very easy solution sometimes, but and clearly it isn't. But you don't really want people around with negative mindsets, especially at the start of a new season when you're a new manager who's trying to get new ideas across to people. So uh, it, it's a tough one to manage. But yeah, I think that we possibly will see him moving on sometime before August the 31st. Although I certainly, you know, getting to understand how Rafa works, I certainly wouldn't bet against him starting Keane at Huddersfield if he's still at the football club, put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Gav, just, just on that, the, the club's stance with Moyes yeah. Keane is we're not entertaining loan offers, we're only prepared to sell him. But for me, the, 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 the necessity to improve the squad and bring in players that Rafa wants to work with or, or players who want to be at the club, do you sense that there could be a softening of the stance the closer we get to August the 31st? And actually, despite what the club are saying now, yeah. they would accept the loan. Yeah, get, get his wages off or an element of his wages off the bill for the, for the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just don't see him being a Rafa player. <laughs> to be honest, it doesn't strike me as a natural player that Rafa would have, would entertain in terms of his work rate and attitude and stuff, which we said before on the pod. And I think um, you, get, you get the impression that he will go either on loan or, you know, not, it's not ideal because uh, you get his wages. Okay, they'll save a bit on his wages, but his transfers it will they will diminish as well, won't it? In twelve months' time, because his contract situation, you know, it's obviously twelve months further down the line. So uh, that's where you'd save his wages, but you'd also lose probably a proportion of his transfer fee as well. So because say if he's worth, I don't know, thirty million now, he's not going to be worth thirty million in twelve months' time. So um, that that is that that was the rationale I would imagine is around the, the loan thing, but. I just think, I always go back to Sunessa's comments when he came about maybe his off the field's not, not great. And he doesn't strike me as being somebody off the field who is uh, going to knuckle down and, um, you know, work hard, get back into the team. He, he does seem to be a bit silly, doesn't he? Uh, and, and we all, uh, all slaughtered Sunes at the time for that, didn't we? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, my, well, my point... My point that I think it says on this pod is I don't think Sunes would have said that without knowing, having some insight. And he's, yeah. he's big mates with Mancini, isn't he? And Viali, because they were yeah. to do it together at Sampdoria. Yeah. And I, I wonder, they, they, they've been somewhere spoken, mm. you know, because he'd obviously had the issues with the Italian 
national team keen. So I'm not sure whether Sunes would have just said that guessing. I think he'd, he'd have a little bit of more insight than what people thought because of the people he knows. And uh, and that's been proven since, isn't it, of a number of number of things. So yeah, I, I think I think he may maybe softened, you know, the, soften the uh, the stance, Phil, and I think he may go back on loan, which is not ideal for anybody. Uh, to be fair, but I'd rather have a bit of money coming in. Um, you know, back through was saving his wages a portion of them. And 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 the new manager being able to use those wages where he sees fit, fit of course. The, the, yeah, well, yeah, dare I say FFP, where we just don't use those wages at all. It's just money taken, you know, that we claw back. Indeed. Um, Bees, you know, as, as we've been reporting for a while now, we've, we spoke about Dwight McNeil as, as a target. Um, Longstaff at Newcastle United also on the radar. What's your feelings potentially about those two players coming in? Do they improve us? You know, are, are you are you sort of um, encouraged by the prospect of, of those being on the wish list? Um, probably McNeil more more so. Um, see, Longstaff might be someone Rafa knows from his time at Newcastle United. I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I've not seen a great deal from him, but I'm not too sure how, how much better he is than what's already. At the football club, but like you say, certain managers have got the, the players that, that they like. But um, McNeil, obviously, he, he's known from day one, hasn't he? Um, Evan have got somebody in Cal- and Calvert Lewin who um, it's very rare in the Premier League now that you've got somebody considerably better than anyone else in any particular trait. And you know, his aerial ability as a centre forward, the, the way he can, he can hang in the air and, and, and turn. And, you know, he just thrive on that on that quality from the flank. So he's obviously said, right, need um, pace and delivery from the flank. That's, you know, that's what Everton are missing. And, you know, often had Hammers cutting inside from the right last season. Um, so they really um, like that width for that, that, that quality from the, the wide areas. Even somebody like Alex Awobi hasn't been able to provide that on a, on a consistent basis. So, yeah, he, he said, yeah, wingers. He's got, you know, he's got a couple in already and um, wants that competition for the places. So, you know, a young, hungry player like McNeil, he'd, he'd certainly um, fit the bill. But as, as we've seen, obviously, um, uh, Aston Villa have um, got the, the Grealish um, money, They've brought in Bailey themselves already and um, strongly linked with uh, Mc, McNeil. So, I mean, it's, it's not going to be straightforward. But, you know, yeah, he'd be the sort of player who, who would excite the fans, I imagine, and uh, get certainly an interesting prospect, the sort of supply line he could he could uh, provide for someone like Calvert-Lewin. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But I'm really kind of, you know, infused and kind of optimistic about Dominic's season, looking at, you know, season of his career in front of goal last season, you know, 21 goals and all comps, 16 in the Premier League. But as Chris says, you know, the manager's identified, and I think he's been openly has said it about <laughs> crosses, 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 getting the ball onto this man's head because he will score goals if you put in the right sort of service. Are you, are you expecting another big season, a bigger season for Dominic? Given the players that are around him, and hopefully, will be uh, will be around him. Uh, I am, yeah, because of what you've just said. Because the manager, you know, seems to be wanting to play to his strengths. I mean, it could arguably be Carlo Ancelotti's greatest legacy at Everton, couldn't it? Uh, you know, so the the Dominic Calvert Lewin improvements, uh, the one touch finishing that you know he seemed to you know sort of put into his game from his Insagi videos, whatever it was. He knew however he did it. You know, so sort of sat down with him. Um, no, it does. It's clearly, you know, something he says has identified that as an area that you can, you know, expand upon and can take advantage of. 
Uh, and why wouldn't you? You know, so when you've got a player who is as good, you know, so in the air as that, why wouldn't you try and play to his strengths? And uh, it was very obvious, even in the uh, the brief preseason games that we saw, that uh, uh, prepared to be direct on occasions, get the ball wide, and get crosses in very, very quickly. And he's a player that can take advantage of that. And don't discount Richarlison, you know, so because he's so good in the air uh, for a fellow of his size. I mean, he's so aggressive in the air. That, you know, that those as a front two, you know, so it could be players that could benefit, you know, so tremendously from a service like pinged across. So, you know, it all links or points to them both having a particularly good season, provided you have the, you know, the usual freedom from injuries and, you know, so a, a decent run at it. Uh, but yeah, I was quite pleased that Dominic did have the the rest that he had in the summer. I know he would have felt frustrated. I know he would have felt he could have offered an awful lot more to England's campaign, but he didn't. You know, some Soviets, he's going to have to like just hit the ground running again. I mean, he did make an absolutely flying start to last season, didn't he? And so it'd be quite nice to see that again. So uh, yeah, you know, so all set for another big season from Dominic Cavalier. And it needs to be as well because we don't really have great options, you know, so elsewhere. It means we're having to reshuffle that forward line if he's not available for any reason. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed, all set up for uh, Everton number nine to score some traditional Everton number nine goals. Indeed. Gav, I've got this idea in my head of, of, of Everton under Rafa with, with two wingers, two men up front, playing almost a, a kind of throwback style of football. Sure. Um, am, am, I, am I getting this wrong or, or, or what do you say? how do you sense we're going we're gonna to look under Rafa? Does he play, I just don't think how often he's played two up front, to be honest with you. Um, like Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool and Valencia, they had like Torres and big John Carew, didn't he? Um, as centre forwards, I don't recall, you know, Liverpool, they had like Gerard playing behind Torres, didn't he, and stuff, and maybe Couch was playing off. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't maybe before, Barash up front, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, yeah, uh, that's before Torres, wasn't it? Um, yeah, um, I think if he goes 4 2 3 1, he still have to get a wide, can't you? Um, yeah. I, and I guess Richarlison, as I, I, we've I, I, seen, Richarlison's almost better coming in, you know, rather than playing and uh, you know specifically stuck to the flank. He's better just inside, isn't he? Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think to get in each other's way. I don't think you get the best out okay. of set it before. I mean, best out of either player by playing them as a striking duo. Um, Calvert Lewin has to be the main focal point, doesn't he? Uh, and as we know, and I'm not sure about how. Calvert Lewin plays as a two anyway, because I'm not, you know, he's a he's a little bit behind Joe Charleston as overall skills, you know, and his his range of skills, isn't he? Uh, I think which he needs to work on. So, so I think four two three one with you know still with 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 you know, and I think that can work. I mean, I think Richard, you'd argue since that's what we saying there about Richarlison, you'd argue that Richarlison, though Calvert gets a lot of goals, that Richarlison is actually a better header of the ball. In terms of his his range of heading, then Carver Lewin, it's all in the height, isn't it? With with uh, Carver Lewin, with with Charles, and he scores different goals with his head. You know, he's a little bit more subtle, uh, but he's a, you know. And I think um, big season for Carver Lewin. I'm just wondering, do you think being left out of the, the Euros has done him a favour in terms of well, I've got to work even harder now. Yeah, that's my gut. To, to progress, yeah. I, I, I yeah. think I think it was being left out the Euros. People saying it's good because he gets a rest. I think it's good because actually you're seeing Harry Kane. You think I'm getting nowhere near here, even to get into the squad to to get be a regular, you know, regularly in contention for the national team. I've got to work harder. 
not only have got to score goals, we've got to be a more consistent goal scorer and I've got to be a more all-round player in terms of contributing to the team when when we've got the ball, which I think he there's lots of development there for him. Uh, so, a big season for him. I want to see him scoring consistently rather than having streaks of seven or eight goals in eight games and not scoring for 10, which has been the case over the last couple of years. So, yeah, still 4-2-3-1, Phil. Plenty of width, definitely. And Andy Benitez has said that, hasn't he? Yeah, I think in, in you know in, in some defence of, of Dominic, the uh, the service somewhat dried up in the second half of the season, didn't it? And we were very true, very true. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, that's, but then that's up, that, sorry, Phil. But that's up to him then to yeah to to, to address, isn't it? You know, that's where you've got to show your all round skill as a striker and, and make things happen yourself, rather than being totally reliant on other people. You yeah. know, he, he doesn't want to be a specialist in a specialist field. You know, and that's why you know I don't think strikers operate like that anymore. Uh, he's got to be, you know, he's got to improve his all-round play. And I guess, Bees, you know, perhaps part of the thinking is by bringing in someone like Andros Townsend, whose game, mm-hmm. without doing any d- disrespect to him, looks fairly simple in terms of works extremely hard, up and down. As soon as he gets the ball, he tries to be positive, whether that's a shot or a cross. Are, are, you, are you sort of hopeful, uh, uh, you know, is that as one of, Many hopefully partnerships that that can that can flourish this season. Do you like the signing of Townsend? Yeah, it was very astute in this. You know, in the circumstances, given that Everton's hands are seemingly so tied with with FFP to get to have a player of that um, Premier League experience and uh, somebody uh, who obviously Rafa knows well. So to pick them up for, on, on, on a free transfer was very. Astute beast businesses, and I think probably he's got a, a point to prove as well. Obviously, he's just left um, Crystal Palace, but he's you know managed to get himself um, to to a, a bigger club here. He's obviously at, uh, at Tottenham a number of years. I think he had quite a lot of loan spells out there, and obviously um, up at Newcastle United as 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 well. Um, yeah, get, given how how difficult um, it is, I don't think you could you can complain. I mean. Um, People obviously get excited about the big names signings. There's been, you know, with the big fees, but then that's what has got Everton into trouble now. That's what's why they're um, having to pay for that five years of um, sort of not very clever spending. So um, it is it, it, to actually do an, an astute piece of business to pick to pick up a, a bargain like that should be um, applauded. Really, it's not. It's it, you know, it doesn't excite like with the, the big fees, but perhaps you know that's. Whatever needed a bit, a bit more of something, a bit more bang for their buck in, in that respect. Mm. Um, just before I ask you about the season generally and, and, and the atmosphere tomorrow and things, um, any disappointment that we've missed out on Denzel Dumfries, who's uh, in Milan as we speak, if not already confirmed as an Inter Milan player? Yeah, there's obvious disappointments because he he looked like such a, a bold player during the uh, the European Championships. Bold going forward, we're not quite sure how good he was defensively. Uh, and clearly, you know, right back is an area that we do need, you know, to bring somebody fresh into. But it sounds like the lad had his, you know, design set on going to to Inter. You know, that that was his preferred choice. So we can't really do a great deal about that. So yeah, there is a disappointment, but there are other, you know, possibilities out there. Um, the money that you know, so Rafa, sorry, I say the money he spent. He spent virtually nothing, has he? But the players that he's brought in so far. Um, have all been adding something to the squad that we didn't already have. And uh, the one that we haven't mentioned much, I suppose, is Begovic. And I was just thinking you know, about his potential involvement tomorrow. Uh, just a couple of things that you know, Rafa had said. 
Uh, certainly in the wake of the performance last week, I mean, Jordan came back and he wasn't clearly match sharp. He'd had a couple of weeks off. He was maybe not quite ready and had a less than convincing game and was replaced uh, before the end, you know, so by a player who clearly has had match, you know, so sharpness and looked quite solid. Just wonder if that could be a really left field one tomorrow, you know, so just starting the season, just to give Jordan a little bit longer to, you know, so get his match sharpness back. Absolutely no insight at all. Don't read anything into that, by the way. That's just me thinking. <laughs> that was no, they, those comments will be on some some football fan sites before you can say you know before we can say yeah. you know thanks for listening yeah. yeah Prentice predicts Pickford drop yeah no no it was just musing out loud rather than predicting anything just just a thought based on just a couple of little tidbits that he came out with you know so in the wake of the game last weekend I mean who knows Jordan's probably being inspired all week in training I don't know so we'll wait and see. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, Gav, we'll st- I'll start with you then. Um, how's the season going to go? Where do you where do you believe we will finish? And I appreciate it's caveated. Yeah. With, look, the next two and a bit weeks can change the complexion of the squad and, of course, change people's beliefs about season. But right now, what do you think is realistic? I'll also add into that, not only next two and a half weeks, but you know, what we're suffering at the moment in terms of having five players missing to isolate, and you just don't know how that's gonna play into you know, that such a random thing, isn't it, really? You can't you can't make plans for it, you know. Uh in terms of how the season goes, um I think we'll be solid. I think we'll be well organised. I'd like to think we'll be far more difficult to beat than what we were at the end of last season. Uh, expect to see the home record improve. I expect to see the away record for obvious reasons. Um, you know, we're not going to win. <laughs> Don't quote me on this at the end of the, the season. <laughs> not going to win the 11 or 12 away games uh, this season. Um, and I think, to, to me, the, the, I spoke about it at the start when talking about Cabanon. The area of the team that gives me the biggest concern is the sense of defence, Phil. Um, that we've got numbers there, but I'm just wondering how better can we be? You know, how better can those players be collectively? I mean, Michael Keane's what 29 is he? Something like that. Yeah, Mina, how better he's going to be? We just want him on the pitch playing. Uh, Holgate, obviously, you know, his form dip last season, and we're relying on Ben Godfrey to to put, kick on. It could be his difficult second season, in zone for Godfrey. Which a little bit Mason had that a little bit last year, didn't he? Uh, so to me, the key, the key area is getting that right. That that you know, talking about like throwing the Kabamman thing into it is getting that sense of central defensive pattern uh, correct. And I think if we can do that and get a right back, I, I see no reason at all. You know, we've got we, we we though we've got a lack of numbers up front. We have got a bit of quality there, and uh, I think. You know, in terms of where we finish, and assuming everybody stays fit, I, uh, I think there's a, I think Benitez was asked, wasn't he, today? Was it a, a place in Europe, a possibility? And I still see, no, I still see no reason why not. That, that shouldn't be a possibility. Because uh, there's a, you know, and the Villa have spent big money, but we know that can bring its own problems. You know, will Leeds be as effective as they were last season? Will West Ham be? With Europe, so uh, I still set. I still say seven to tenth, 
as a you know definitely at a, a you know probability mm. but where where in that that those four places is is dependent on those factors I've just mentioned and, and some of it's outside of our control. It'd be nice if we get one or two in before the August transfer window as well. Mm. Um but a solid, well organised Benitez knows what he's doing. I think that can, you know, enormously beneficial for us. Yeah, Chris, I, I mean I'm thinking, you know, similar similar to Gavin, I think, you know, as it stands with the current squad, maybe there may be a little bit of uh Maybe a degree of pessimism thrown in, and sometimes could happen. I think eighth feels realistic at the moment. Um, how do you see the season going? I actually said exactly the same. We've got our um, our official Echo predictions being published tomorrow, I believe. And uh, I went for eighth, and then I was given two vastly different responses by um, a couple of people I was I was talking to. Um, that great Evertonian. Uh, Dr. David France accused me of being uh, a great pessimist for saying eighth, whereas uh, young Sam Carroll was saying he'd snap his hand off for 15th at the moment. Um, he's um, <laughs> the opposite way around, yeah. Sam. Well, you know, he, he's all for show, isn't he? He's, he's, you know, he's very bold in public, but then in private moments with myself, you know, the, the real the real Sam uh, maybe showing his, his true colours there. Um, yeah. Um, think about last season. I was talking to, to to these people this week. Um, it got rem- I was reminded that Everton was second on Boxing Day. It was still second on Boxing Day, and then even in early March, fourth with the po- sorry fifth, but with the possibility to go fourth if they won the game in hand. So that was quite a dramatic collapse. It was awful, really, to, you know, to finish as low as tenth in the end. Um, like we've mentioned, some other teams have spent a lot more money so so far, but then other teams might not produce the same sort of um, season as, as, as last um, year. But yeah, there's just still all that, that quality in the squad. And, you know, if anything, as, as much as we didn't want it at the time, we hope that Carlo Ancelotti would stay and have that um, prolonged period of um, stability that the club desperately needed. He perhaps didn't um, get the sort of scrutiny at the time that he should have uh, come under given that dramatic collapse and you know somebody as experienced and successful as himself to preside over that kind of um, a run well in what was basically very attritional unattractive football as well and nobody saw this coming nobody would have predicted that you know former Liverpool manager Rafa Benitez comes in but it might actually be an Everton's benefit. He might actually be a better suited coach for Everton and what their players need at this period in time. He said attention to detail. Um, he seems to be far more hands-on on the training ground and certainly getting into the, the players' faces, offering them plenty of little instructions and, and tidbits. So, yeah, I've, I've gone for eighth and that's probably where Everton should have at least finished last season. Prenel, there's, you know, there's been plenty of, of, of typical sort of gallows humour amongst the... Uh, the Blues fan base on online, and you know, it's you know, it's always sort of you know, tongue in cheek, some of it, but also some of it, you know, quite quite serious. But you don't quite share the um, say the the, the, the groundswell of pessimism because I don't think that's fair, but you don't necessarily share in some of the uh, doom and gloom that we've 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 seen from some some supporters. No, I don't think it's, it's going to be a great feeling tomorrow uh, because, you know, people are going to be back inside a football match or football ground for the first time in the best part of 18 months. So that's got to have a real, like, sort of buzz about the place. And that will hopefully mean that, you know, sort of Rafa Benitez's presence in the dugout is just a sideshow that doesn't really become the focus of attention as it might have been otherwise. 
I'm guessing that the club, you know, won't be so daft as to actually introduce him. I think they'll just like let him get on with his job and uh, you know so try and see the game through. But now, regarding the season itself, last season was such a weird season for everybody. As Gavin mentioned earlier, I mean that away record was absolutely bizarre. Uh, and the home record even more unusual. And that was entirely down to the fact that we were playing in empty stadia. You know, they, they were ghost games. They were very, very strange. Uh, so, you know, taking all that apart, if we had beaten Sheffield United at home, Sheffield United were already relegated. We finished seventh. You know, so we finished, you know, sort of under the same points as Tottenham. So, you know, I don't get this like sudden doom and gloom. The squad is no worse than it was last season. Um, you know, we've got two or three additions. Uh, we might lose two or three players, obviously. But, you know, it's a squad that has got a little bit more structure to it in terms of what the manager wants to introduce. He wants players with a bit of pace. He wants to get crosses into the box. You can see a pattern. You can see an identity starting to develop already. OK, there's an awful lot to happen, you know, so obviously in that and that identity actually being realised. But you can see evidence of it there already. So not going to get carried away, you know. So I, I think, you know, we, we could be on for an OK season. I would love to think that we could, you know, sort of push on for the you know, seventh, eighth place. I don't know. I think the likelihood is it's probably a little bit better than last season. So what was it last season? Tenth, you know, so maybe a couple of places better off than that. But sometimes these seasons have a habit of taking you completely by surprise. And, you know, we always talk about 2004-05, you know, where we fell apart. We got battered 5-1 at City on the last day. Lost our best player in Wayne Rooney and brought in journeymen in Marcus Bent and a little unknown player from the championship in Tim Cahill and finished fourth. OK, that's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, the competitiveness of the Premier League next season is ridiculous. I mean, the top four look absolutely on a different level to everybody else. Then you've got Leicester. Then you've got, you know, so will West Ham maintain what they did last year? Arsenal, I think Arsenal, you know, so could be in for a struggle this year, despite the quality of players that they've got. But it's still massively, massively competitive, that Premier League. And so even to finish eighth, it's going to take some doing. But I don't see any reason why we can't do that. Uh, so, yeah, don't be too negative and too pessimistic just yet. The fixtures give you an opportunity to get off to a reasonable start. And if we can do that, momentum can be a very, very uh, important characteristic in a Premier League season. So we'll see. But no, I'm not wildly you know, so optimistic. But equally, I'm certainly not as negative as some of the nonsense I've seen on social media at the moment. Gav, when was the last time you can think that ex the expectations were, were quite as low as this? When was the last season you can think of when fans, albeit yeah. buzzing to be back at Goodison, and that's going to be almost like the real victory tomorrow, isn't it? But can you remember it, a season it, yeah. when it was so... There's obviously a degree of apathy apathy for, for a number yeah. of reasons. When was the last time you, you sort of felt that? I think, like, well, I would say 2004. Would be the obvious one because then we had yeah. Moyes where we had a we had a load of you know we had a load of good seasons and stuff. I, I draw a bit of comparison in terms of spending. Was it eleven the summer of two thousand and eleven when we obviously had no money and we bought we got in Strachwell Lacey on a loan, Royce and Zenta on mm -hmm. on loan and um, Delios wasn't it the the Greek lad uh, when it was quite quite clear that clearly that. The club had no money, uh, and I think, I think we we, we uh, I think that that was the, the when there was a bit of support from rest at the start of that campaign as well as a consequence. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a uh, there's a similar vibe this year, albeit for slightly different reasons. I understand why people are you know not happy. I don't think it's like where we are at the moment. It's the fact that there's that realism that like over five years we've not progressed. You know we've been through so much money. Uh, we're now obviously. 
it ends in a period of austerity, you know, for want of a better phrase. And I think it's all tied in with that. I don't think it's just necessarily where we where we are at this moment in time. I think there's a, there's a lot more going on than that. Um, but I'd, I'd say definitely from from a expectations on the pitch 2004, but in terms of our lack of money 2011-12, and that season didn't. We ended up finishing I think seventh that season, uh, semi final against Liverpool. More less said about the better, but we we were excellent after Christmas. But um, yeah, that, that that those two seasons would probably be my uh, my two. Okay, um, first time of the new season, of course. Uh, customary predictions time. Um, please start with you, Everton mm-hmm. versus Southampton. Saturday, three o'clock at Goodison. First game of the season. First game of the Rafa Benitez era. Mm. How's it going to go? Yeah, I, I don't think they're, they're totally um, up and running in terms of free flowing football. So I think that the, the nine nil, as uh, mentioned by Dave earlier, is, is not going to come to fruition. Um, <laughs> Uh, despite what uh, Dr. Fran said about me being a pessimist, I'm going to say Everton won Southampton nil. Yes, I can uh, I can see that happening. Fran, <laughs> how do you uh, how do you see it going? Who's going to be the match winner? If there is a, if there is a winner, what do you think will happen? I'm going to sound all Sam Carroll now. But, uh, <laughs> three nil, Everton will win. You know, so with relative confidence, I was even going to go for a you know, so Tony Cotty debut four nil Newcastle type. Well, no, just um, Southampton's away. I don't know if I'm bringing any away fans. They've sent all their away allocation back, you know, for the Everton home fans to take. So it's going to be a great atmosphere inside the place initially. Um, you know, so given the way the manager set the team up to get players into the box uh, and get on the end of crosses, I, I can just see there being loads of chances created. And I, I can see it being, you know, sort of a decent home victory. Um, I hope to God I'm right. You know, I got, got a couple right last year. Not not as many as Adam Jones right at the beginning of the season. He seemed to be on fire, going for some of the bizarre. Was it four two he called against Brighton and a few of the others? So uh, now I'm going to go for a, a three nil Everton home win. Just just on that point, what, if if for example the team experience a tough opening twenty minutes and it's tight and there aren't chances and you know the yeah. team aren't really. Do you sense that the, the supporters will stay with the team or do you sense we might hear moans and groans? How do you, how do you feel it will be? The Goodison Park crowd is impossible to predict. Uh, they are such a, oh, a fickle fan base, really. You know, sometimes you can create that incredible atmosphere that, you know, so really gets on the team's skins. Other times they can be quite negative and they can get into players and make life difficult uh, for the home supporters. You can never really predict it. Um, I just think that there's going to be a real groundswell of support for the players tomorrow. I think, you know, the Evertonians, they support Everton Football Club, not any individual, not whoever's in the year. So the managerial dugout, they support the football club. And I think that will come to the fore tomorrow. And the fact that because we're actually inside a football ground for the first time, it'll be one of those occasions, I think, where we'll get, you know, one of those really great noises. You just imagine the atmosphere when you finally hear the siren and hear Zed cars clanking up again. And there's a you know, crowd in there to actually respond to it. Uh, I think it could be quite a special atmosphere tomorrow, and hopefully that will uh, translate. Um, if things aren't going after 20 minutes, no, I like to think that you know the fans will still stick with them and still you know sort of roar the team on. But trying to predict the Emerson fan base, who knows? <laughs> Let's just hope oh. it doesn't come to that. Let's hope we score after 10 minutes and it's uh, all systems go. Although another factor, as you said, Pren, I think it was last week or the week before in the pod, you know, this this marks the the first of what maybe 60 or so 
last chances to be inside. Absolutely, yeah. Inside Gruson, because of course this week we haven't even mentioned you know the club officially breaking ground at, at Bramley Moor. Exactly. I mean, I've made that point before the start two seasons ago, where I think yeah, somebody mistakenly read my tweets and thought I had a terminal illness. Uh, mm-hmm. I said there are only like a hundred more occasions left to, uh, you know, sort of witness this wonderful place. Uh, maybe I could have chosen my words more carefully. But yeah, we are we are actually in the countdown now. You know, so we have got literally three seasons left to go, uh, you know, provided everything goes according to plan. Uh, so there are literally, like you say, 60 odd occasions, uh, you know, where we'll be inside Goodison Park experiencing that that special magic. So take advantage of it. Enjoy it. You know, so don't be negative. Don't be uh, dwelling on, you know, sort of negatives. Just really relish the occasions for what they are. We're not going to have that many more of them. OK, Gav, last one to come to you. Prediction for tomorrow. Yeah, the other thing that hopefully will not play into the atmosphere tomorrow is obviously there's been ticketing issues this week, hasn't there? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we can kick off at three o'clock where everybody's yeah. relaxed and chilled out rather than you know, you know, having stood outside for ages trying to get in. So hopefully all will go well there, and that will hopefully be a positive impact on the atmosphere. Well, we played. I spoke last week, Fernando, didn't I? We played Southampton once before on the opening day in the uh, in the Premier League. Won two nil at the Dow, so I'm going to go with two nil. You know, hits who's repeating that... itself tomorrow. Uh, uh, by the way, Phil, did you? Ah, oh, uh, DCL both. Did did we uh, did we find out who, who won it last year? The predictions league is is <laughs> we, or did we, we... No, we didn't. Uh, to be honest, we we, we lost. I think, I think it was me, wasn't it? Must have been me. Uh, yeah, I think it's petered out a bit like the season itself, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> lost in, yeah, yeah I, think, I think we perhaps lost enthusiasm for keeping track yeah. when the yeah. results weren't going quite as well. well it, yeah, when we found out we weren't getting in the European prediction league, we sort of fell away <laughs> completely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 indeed. Familiar, indeed. familiar tale. Indeed. Okay, chaps, good stuff. Thank you very much for your company. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will, of course, be at Goodison uh, en masse with 40,000 40, as well, almost there tomorrow, which is great. We'll be there covering the games, followers, live updates, uh, reaction, analysis, opinion from hopefully uh, a good start for the Rafa Benitez era as Everton kick off the new season. Um, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.